right, everyone. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. This is Sandcast, the holiday edition uh, with uh, Triborn. And as is our new custom, our last episode of the, of the month is with uh, UCLA star, Savvy Simo. Sav, Merry Christmas. Tri, Merry Christmas. How are we? Merry Christmas. We're doing good. good. Hanging in there. <laughs> Love it. Just getting ready to go. Getting ready to play some volley again. Yeah, it's about that time for you. It's uh, I'm it. you're what, nine days out from coming back? Nine days out from coming back, but only uh, I don't know, four or five days away from touching the ball. Yeah, you got Let's a crew. Go. Oh, that's nice. Um, oh, I guess are you you and Trevor getting a little Hawaii training camp before you come back? Uh, we're only gonna touch it for about two days. Uh, and then we'll head back to Cali. Originally, we were going to do a longer training camp and fly Jose out, but it just doesn't make sense right now with the tentative. Yeah, I'm gonna say last year you guys had that. Uh, you guys had that epic monster uh, video and photo shoot. It was yeah. a pretty cool place. That ended up being the cover of our book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, uh, nothing cool this year, but uh, hopefully next off season is epic yeah well sav you uh you've had quite a, a a couple events here you just moved you're back on campus at ucla which is exciting your uh your last year ideally there won't be another covid year to make it a sixth season for you exactly yeah it's been it's been a transition for sure i've been home since march and i thought when i moved home like i'm gonna hate this i don't want to live at home blah blah and i got so comfortable at home, love San Diego, love the group of girls I trained with, you know, I had a really great inner circle and it was awesome. And so I kind of, when we came back in the fall, I was commuting and cause we weren't training a whole lot. And so this was like, you know, we ended up signing a six month lease, the girls that were kind of commuting. And I didn't realize until we had to come back, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm not, ready like I had to pack and it was just I hadn't really done a whole lot in like nine months so it's been a transition for sure but I have a great department great roommates and I'm back up at UCLA and we have a week of quarantine and hopefully we start training next Monday and hopefully have a season like you guys so we'll see what happens yeah that's exciting when do you know when your season would start because usually it's what like February ish yeah it's like late February I think but we don't like I haven't been shown a schedule. Maybe I'm just out of the loop. I don't know. But as of now, I don't know what our schedule is. I think yeah. we have games in late February, mid-February. So it's like a really quick turnaround. And we don't have, we can't train for seven days right now. And I'm sure people didn't train on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. So we're all kind of like all the training we did after we left in the fall is like, I feel like it's hard because I conditioned, I trained, and now we have to sit here in our apartment and not do anything. So it's tough for sure. But um, I think we start in February and it's all kind of a weekly basis type of thing, I feel like, because if someone's positive or the other team has a positive or the officials, it's all so many unknowns. I, I don't even know if we're going to be able to fly, if we're going to play teams just within a certain radius of our school. I don't really know. I think it's just a bunch of moving pieces for all athletes at UCLA and across the country. And so we're all just having to be flexible, patient, and just trust the process. And we know that everyone on the staff is working hard to, to help. And um, 
it's kind of all we can do is just try and get everyone back and COVID free for training so that we're, we have the best chance of competing because it's been too long, way too long. Yeah, too long for everyone. We're all like so yeah, close we, we to being able to compete. Sorry, Trey. No, we had a uh, team meeting today and we we're just kind of talking about how the this next year or so is really going to be like a competition of who can adapt best, right? It's not like, it's almost like it kind of sucks when you're the top team, actually, like UCLA, because you know what your strengths are and you guys are dominant at volleyball. But, like, mm -hmm. this year might come down to just, like, who's going to adapt best and, like, make changes fastest and, like, be prepared for those events that just pop up or, I guess, not burn out for yeah. events that don't happen. Yeah. But uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. And it's crazy. Like, I didn't even think about, like, the college athletes that have to – do somewhat of their own bubble yeah it's like way more strict than you would think and I think because we're in LA we have like the worst of it because the cases are so bad here so we have to follow the LA guidelines and I mean UCLA is just such a big name school we don't want a bad reputation we don't want all this stuff so they're taking which is great that's what needs to be done but it's like you, you wouldn't think, I mean, for a beach volleyball player, you get out in the sand and you go play, you don't high five, you're outside, whatever, but we got to follow all these guidelines. So it's just, you know, like everyone being patient and open for the best. How's the, how's the temperature been in Cali? Is it cold? It's kind of cold, but I'm also like such a chicken. I don't like the cold weather. But. It's, uh, it's weird. Like it, uh, it poured all day yesterday, mm -hmm. like torrential downpour the whole day, which is awesome. So it was freezing. All and right, then I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't and uh but then today it was, it was like beautiful in the morning and then me delaney and marcio went out to coach this afternoon and it was like 25 mile an hour winds like yeah. you, it was like one of those things where like the ball you could put it on the sand and in five minutes it would be like 200 yards down the beach <laughs> so we just, we just told the girls to go home <laughs> oh no so the weather is uh it's it's weird but dude the waves are huge yeah firing yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to stop getting in the water when I get back. That's not good. Yeah, it'll be tempting. <laughs> it's to be flat and the volleyball conditions to be perfect. <laughs> not the opposite. Like, I don't even surf and I'm tempted to surf. <laughs> <laughs> Hold your horses there. We don't, we don't need any lifeguard rescues. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you want to surf in these big conditions and you don't surf? Jeez, that's ballsy. It looks that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Sav, I know you've got a couple fan questions for us to go through. Of course. So there's so many and so many different ones. So I always try and like have a question come off of the other one. I want it to transition well, but yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to pick, and they're all so good. But I think now going into hopefully a season for college athletes and hopefully for professional athletes, especially training for the Olympics. Omez02 asks, how do we best support the pros to raise the prize money and just support them with getting a season going? So what do you guys think about that? That's a good question. I think that's a question that people have been trying to ask since uh, like 1990. Forever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, I think the biggest way is to support the sponsors. So I've made kind of a habit of whenever either like a player comes out with something or 
Um, like there's a sponsor who's clearly helping out with, like I didn't buy a Porsche uh, because they sponsored it. But like if Monster Hydro is sponsoring an event, like I'll do my best to buy Monster stuff, even though I don't drink Monster or whatever and try as like a fridge full that I can dip into kind of whenever. But um, I would say the best thing we can do is, is to support the sponsors and make them kind of feel like they're actually getting a return on their investment. I mean, I, I don't think that they're going to like get like a financial big ROI, but you know, if, if you like send a note with your purchase, which I think you can always do and just be like, Hey, like I saw this on beach volleyball. Hopefully we can just get more sponsors to stick around or like whenever players come out with something like Betsy, she came out with shirts. Like I bought a couple of those, like Tracy and Chrissy had a shirt come out and they got one of those. Just like anytime a beach player comes out with a product, I'll do whatever I can to support it. Just cause like, I know how thin the margins are. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, I can't, I can't really add much to that. I mean, I think just having a good understanding of the landscape of beach volleyball, which is something I'm constantly trying to learn. I feel like it's definitely changing, especially during these times. Um, but yeah, just supporting. I mean, and like putting it out there, you know, supporting even just your favorite player, your favorite team. Um, yeah. You might have a favorite team, but like, you know, let them know about it. Let let your your following know about it. Your people and. Um, just sharing the sport and whatever we do come out with during these times. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think yeah. Nailed it. Todd, Todd Har he wrote, his question was, how do we go about growing the sport and bringing more media attention to beach? So you kind of touched on a try about posting about it and writing about it and sharing, you know, your favorite team, your favorite athlete. So I think I agree that that could be another way to bring more attention because I think social media is such a big thing right now that it's, that's kind of what you have to do to get more people to be watching beach volleyball. I don't know exactly how, but social media is the biggest thing. So. Yeah. And like the McKibbins, I I think a lot of, I mean, most of the media in beach volleyball comes from those who are actually creating it. Um, Like the McKibbins, uh, Billy and John, like what we're doing now with Sandcast. Um, and then, I mean, Volleyball Mag, they almost set a record this year for most page views, even though they didn't have any volleyball to actually cover, which is pretty cool. So there's like a readership there and there's a, a media base there, even if it's niche. I think that the beach volleyball, your, your average beach volleyball fan, I think is more passionate than like your average baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there are like, if you love beach volleyball, like you really love it. Like if you're watching it on YouTube and listening to podcasts, but baseball, because there's so much of it, you can get it anywhere. So I, I don't know. I think that, uh, more people just need to be creating media around it because like we've seen, like when you do create it, it, it ends up being pretty successful. I mean, on, on a smaller scale than like an NFL thing would be, but the more people, who, more people who are creating, the better it's going to be. Yeah. And I, I feel like people don't realize that there, there is um, like, you don't have to be a player to be involved with the sport either. Like a lot of players like ourselves, right. We're, we're trying to create media on our own. There's, there's a lot of help that we could use. Um, I mean, we've been looking for kind of like interns or stuff like that to help us or at least throwing around the ideas. I know Riley and Madison have had a lot of help from many people um, doing what they're doing um but i don't know there's a lot of ways to get involved you just got to be creative and i think that's the biggest thing for us too right now 
we have to be creative. I've been, my mind's been like churning. We, we have brainstorming sessions like what, once a month, Travis? Something like that. Executing on it is a little difficult for us <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot of ideas spinning and I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, if we weren't just brainstorming and trying to be creative, uh, this podcast would have never happened. So, I mean, for the young athletes, like that's the biggest thing. You don't wait for someone else to make something for you. Uh, it doesn't work like that in our sport. <laughs> Not yeah. quite yet, at least. Yeah. Um, Very true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Speaking of the upcoming season, my girl, Ia Lindahl, she asked, <laughs> can you make a list of eligible women's blockers for the 2021 season? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I was out on the beach with Ben Vaught this morning and he was like, he's always, Ben Vaught's the gossip queen of the AVP and he always <laughs> listens. So, uh, Benny, uh, you're a big gossiper, but, um, he was asking like what if I'd heard anything about the partnership shuffles, but I've only been practicing like once a week, really with the same group of guys every time. So I haven't heard anything, but I think that uh, every women's defender who isn't locked in should be texting or direct messaging Taryn cloth and asking mm -hmm. if she's <laughs> what her plans are. Try. I don't, I don't think you've seen her play, but she's this like six foot four blocker who played indoor at Creighton. And now she's playing at LSU and she played with Kristen Nuss this summer at a bunch of AVP necks and, and little tournaments around the country. And they did not lose one set. I was going to say they crushed it. Yeah. They they... Like, like smoke bombing teams and yeah. they were playing good teams. Like they beat uh, Kelly Kalinske and Emily Stockman, like dominated whole match, like 21, 15, 21, 17, maybe they beat Delaney and Katie they were cruising and Taryn is just this like six foot four really mobile really athletic blocker sets well moves well like if if you're a women's defender and you're eligible hit up Taryn cloth <laughs> she hasn't had to go through savvy yet though I yeah so I have not played her I am hoping we can play LSU you played Kristen and uh, Claire Coppola, right? Yeah, and they're they were so good. Like yeah. me, I played with Abby this year, and I know they were always kind of playing, like had a good game against the Twins from UCLA as well. And so me and Abby came into it and knew they were super. I mean, they would, they had won like a hundred games. They played together since freshman year. Um, we beat them once, and they beat us twice. And we were hoping to get another chance um, at a national championship or at like an East meets West tournament hosted by UCLA, and we didn't unfortunately, but. I've never played Taryn and she was playing, I think in the threes or fours for LSU, I think in the fours yeah, and just crushing it. And <laughs> she partners up with Kristen and they're crushing it. And so I think, you know, transitioning from an indoor player and I haven't seen her play a ton. I'm just kind of assuming, but I feel like they put her in a lower line. She's transitioning from an, from an indoor player. And then she plays all summer and is absolutely crushing it. Like she's just going like this. And so it's, it's actually really cool to see. I, as much as there are rivals, I actually really like a lot of really good volleyball. So hopefully we can play against them and I'd love to play against her. She's legit and they're a legit partnership. And if Kristen goes back with Claire, that's awesome too. It's another great game, but I think you're right that she's the new up and coming blocker if she sticks with it. Cause it's, she's gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, on a more established 
basis too. I mean, we don't know like what Emily Day is going to do. Uh, and for that matter, we don't know what Betsy's going to do. I mean, who knows if the AVP starts in May, like, I don't know how long it takes a mom to come back from uh, having a kid, but I don't think Betsy would be too far off the mark. Um, so there's Emily Day, Betsy, uh, Chrissy Jones. I don't know what her plans are. There's like a fair amount of shuffling that could happen. Like where, where does Sarah Hughes go? Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of partnership questions on the women's side. It's exciting for someone like me, like yeah, coming out of it. I mean, I, I'm kind of someone like Ia who's been, she, I think she lives in the South Bay. She's going, goes to LMU, but she's kind of inched her way into that training block. And I mean, she's the best at it. She is like the best at asking people to play and yeah. like is so into it. And I like, when she asked me to play, it's hard. Like I, I hate saying no if I've had something to do because she always gets really good at girls. But for people like us, this is a really good time to start inching our way, you know, into that level if that's what we want to do. And it's 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 scary because you don't know what people are doing. You don't. It's hard to reach out to people coming from a college level and making the leap of faith kind of like how do I do this do I just dm a girl that doesn't even maybe doesn't even know who I am like what do I do and so it might be easier reaching out to like a Taryn or someone like that that is on my level and we know each other versus me reaching out to someone else you know maybe Christy Jones but I think it's important for people our age to start making those connections because if that's what we want to do. This is a great year to do it because like you said, things are shuffling all over the place. So it's exciting. It's nerve wracking, but we'll see how it goes. We have a couple months, but we'll see. Yeah. And then you got a, a couple others for you. Yeah. If you're searching, I mean, I don't know, like is Carissa Cook locked in Jace Pardon? Is she locked in Jess Gaffney, uh, Therese Cannon, uh, savvy. If you want to try the old UCLA USC partnership, I think Teresa, cause I don't know if her and Kelly or Reeves are staying mm-hmm. together. So there's a lot, there's yeah. no shortage of options that, uh, there could be a lot of tryouts going on this spring. I think For it's sure. a matter of, um, establishing relationships is huge. When I mm-hmm. first came out, I just called the one person I knew, which was Sean Scott. Actually, I didn't even know him. I got his number. From <laughs> another I was like, you're Hawaiian. I know you. Hey, uh, can I practice? Um, <laughs> but, but that got me in with Hayden and um, I just showed up and like introduced myself to people. And once they know you, then your name's in their head. And when they start thinking, your name starts popping up and then they're like, oh, maybe I actually want to see what they look like at practice. So you get the invite to practice. You kill it at practice. Now you're like moving up their list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could be you know a great skill level you're just not going to get the call so just like introductions just show up at practices and just be like hey how's it can i i'm just going to watch today can i shag balls you know when you're young just Mm -hmm. show up no one's going to be like no we don't want you shagging balls and like watching us yeah (laughs) i also think if i was the up-and-coming female and i'm legit some of the guys like this will practice with girls, but, yeah. uh, you know, depend if, if you can hang, mm-hmm. which, which I think a lot of the top level girls can hang with, with some of the guys, uh, cause the guys have a lot to learn from the girls. All the girls are way more polished than these guys who are just out here, like not knowing what they're doing. Like when Travis first came out, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but even right now, I'm actually, I'd be open. Like if I got a call from some of the girls who wanted to just get reps and like technical stuff and be like, Oh yeah, I could totally pick 
you know, like I practice after Sarah Hughes and we're on the board of directors together. Like I'll totally get out there with Sarah Hughes and like practice. If April wanted to, I'd be all over it, obviously, like mm -hmm. for my benefit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's no, establishing relationships with everybody is, is huge. Yeah, Delaney still kicks my ass when she practices with us. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so, this is an interesting question um, that like really resonated with me, and kind of talking about someone like Taryn Cloth, who's a super dominant blocker, just hand face all the time. Gallon Swigart, do you know who that is? I don't know how to say his last name. I don't want to butcher mm -hmm. it. But he said, how do you get over a bad offensive stretch or feeling like you can't get around a blocker? I feel like that's an interesting <laughs> question because it's like a mental thing. But I felt that way before, so I think it's interesting. I think we've all felt that for sure. Mm -hmm. um, just watch a few of my matches against Phil. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's mental. It's confidence. Um, you can't get demoralized. You can't think like indoors where it's like, I might get subbed out or, you know, there's no bailing out. You're, you're going to go down, you're going to go down swinging or shooting or whatever, you know, hmm. you just have to be like, just trust that you're going to get out of it, but you can't be dumb and keep trying the same thing over and over. Right. Mm -hmm. So you change up your tempo, you change up your set. You can change up the depth, which was huge for me that in this last AVP, that was, the one thing I changed was my depth from the net. I had Trevor setting me off the net, um, and it totally changed how I attacked against Phil and Nick. Um, so well, number one, maintain confidence. Mm -hmm. you can't, once once you put your head down and start soaking, like you're done. Just keep trying new things, and then once one thing worked, boom! I sighted out that way. Okay, try that again. Try it out again. Okay, I fixed it, or I fixed it. Oh, he got me again. Okay, keep switching. You know, um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It might be like, I'm not going to let this guy block me. The defender can just accept it. The defender can dig me. I don't care, but I'm not going to get blocked. You know, sometimes actually going down or the defenders like scooping balls, but they're not able to transition. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you just have to keep trying new things and stay, stay mentally strong. Yeah, even if I've, you lose the set twenty one nine, right? It's still zero zero. You 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 could have played great and lost twenty one nineteen. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm actually sometimes more comfortable going into a second set after I've lost twenty one ten, because you're not getting any worse, you know. <laughs> and that's what happened to um, me and Kyle Friend in Bonaire. We lost the first set to the Mexican team that we were talking about with Billy. We lost twenty one ten. And we sat down and uh, I looked at Kyle. I was like, well, uh, well, that won't happen again. And because uh, you can't, you literally just can't play that bad again. It's almost impossible. And it's a trap for the team that just smashed you. So, yeah. Like, when we smashed the team on the, like we beat, okay. We beat Mexico. Try, you still there? <laughs> there we go. You froze for a second. <laughs> We're back now. You lose me. Now we're back. <laughs> um, 
But I remember because you beat the Mexican team 21-7, right, in uh, Doha or something, and then they came yeah. back and won the third. Um, but for me, like, try you mentioned a lot of stuff that I do because, like, I've been served almost every ball for the last, like, four years. So I have no shortage of offensive ruts. Um, and one of the things that's helped me mentally is watching a ton of film. Like, right now I'm working on a, a big writing project on uh, – Karch and Kent and the old school guys like beach volleyball up through the 96 Olympics. So I've been watching so much of the old school film and like Karch and Kent went down like 10, three in Manhattan one year to Adam Johnson and uh, Brooke Vandeweg. And then they won 15, 10, like even Karch and Kent got in these terrible ruts and then they just, they just grinded and they bared down. But I think for me, what's worked is understanding that it happens to everyone. So it's not like you're this terrible player because you get in one rut and then changing stuff. My first thing to do is I switch sides. Um, I go, like, if I don't side out one or two balls in a row, then I just go right to the left. And I'm, I don't even have to be that good on the left because the lefty on the left is just weird enough where it'll get you almost an automatic side out one time. And then you can go back to your side and you're out of your rut. Um, but you can switch up. You can run a quick set, a shoot set, a back set. Um, you, can, you can pull Nick Lucena and just force your guy to go on too. <laughs> which is a common tactic. There's a lot of things you can do to get out of an offensive rut. But I think like you said, try just like mentally understanding that this happens to everyone and that no one can bail you out and that it's your job to get you out of it. And you just need to figure it out. And there's a lot of options you can do to make the defense uncomfortable. How's it going? Sandcast peeps. Just wanted to take a quick break in the show to let you know about a holiday savings opportunity presented to you by our friends over at Wilson sporting goods. Here's the deal. You buy two OPTX, also known as Optics Beach Volleyballs, you get one 35% off. Basically, if you spend $100 on volleyball, basketball, football, or soccer products, you'll receive a 35% off coupon in the new year. An Optics Volleyball right now is $64.99. So if you buy two, you get a 35% off coupon emailed to you in January. Solid deal there from our pals over at Wilson, so get on it and uh, hook your friends up with a volleyball or two. All right, back to the show. We're not going back to the show just yet. I have a word from one more of our sponsor, this one from Kamena Outdoor. Uh, Dave Kamena is a longtime volley enthusiast. He is a huge supporter of the game, so for that reason alone, you should support Kamena Outdoor. Uh, but for another legitimate reason is that he makes some of the best backpacks in beach volleyball. He's been working on this thing for 17 years, making modifications to make it the best backpack possible. Delaney has one. It's sitting in the closet right next to me. It's fantastic. It has all these perfect pockets for your sunscreen, for your volleyball, for your extra board shorts or bikinis, whatever it may be. I highly recommend the Kamena Outdoor Backpack. It makes for a fantastic Christmas present, and it's one of those backpacks where you only have to buy one. You can buy the really cheap ones that are made in China, and they only last like six months or a year before the sun beats them up and the rain takes them down. But the Kamena Outdoor Backpack is perfect for beach volleyball because it lasts forever, literally forever. So head out to Kamena Outdoor and get a great Christmas present for the beach volleyball enthusiast. And now, back to the show. Talking about blockers too, um, someone asked, if Tri wanted to teach blocking, where would he start and how would he progress? Um, if I wanted to teach blocking, let, let's say I have a, 
a young partner who's really gifted and I, and I wanted to teach him how to play with me, I would start with footwork. I think nobody really thinks of it like that. For me, it's, it starts from the ground up um, all the way to handwork, which I think is really important too. But anyone can really, if you get enough reps blocking a ball, whether your coach is on a box or not, you get a feel for where you want your hands to make the ball go in the right direction, right? To block it. The problem is people can't put their body in the right spot so that their hands are able to shape around the ball and create the right angles. Uh, and getting your body in the right spot has to do with your feet. I was watching footage today. I won't say any names, <clears throat> Trevor. Uh, <laughs> where the set's moving, the set's dying, and he's staying in the same spot and then use, you know, diving with his hands. It was one play, but uh, I I just think it it's very – I wouldn't be able to block these big guys in the World Tour if I didn't have footwork. And when, I, when I'm playing these guys, I'm ex putting extra emphasis on my footwork because I can't reach. I can't reach mm -hmm. far enough to play with these guys if I don't use my feet to, to reach those angles. So – I would start with footwork and really it's a matter of putting your body in a place. Like if you're running fakes, you put your body in a place where you're visualizing, you know where you want to cross the net and where they're going to hit it, where you're putting your body as far away from that point as you can um, without being out of reach and then getting to that spot as quickly as you can. Um, but a lot of people don't want to go away. And then they just reach there. And that's really easy to see as a defender. So like to have that footwork, to step away and not jump from that spot, but take another step. I call them micro steps, like these six inch, two inch, four inch steps. Those are the ones that get you blocks to where if I don't take the step, I'm reaching sideways. And if I do, I can shape it and penetrate and mm. actually get blocked. Uh, So I would start with footwork. I feel like you've mentioned that before, Trya, in a different question I asked. I think one of the most – was I think it was a question about, like, the most important skill in volleyball, and I think you said blocking footwork. And so it's, it's cool that you mentioned it again because as you're a split blocker and you're still, you know, learning and, you know, growing and being a better blocker, I think it's cool that, you know, that is still something that you continue to preach and continue to work on and – think is super important and you don't realize like as a defender you don't realize like oh these micro steps like you know throw your hands up there and then you know in practice I go try and split block and I'm like nowhere near the ball because I don't know how to line it up right. so it is so important and like everyone should know even if you're a defender you never know when you're going to need to go up and block so I think it is important to learn that and know how to front and how to move and make moves because you can't make a move I can't run a four as a small blocker, if I'm not set up in the right place, like I love running fours on defense and blocking. I think it's, I, I love running plays like that, but when I'm a blocker and I run it, I feel like it's just so ineffective because I'm never lined up in the right spot. So yeah. I just think it's, you know, I agree with you that it is such an important thing that, you know, people wouldn't even realize is important. So yeah. yeah it, love it. it. It's so easy to feel like you're in no man's land blocking mm -hmm. oh, and defense to where you're just like, I don't feel like I can even cover 10% of the court right now. Like I'm just, 
in yeah. no man's land. But then other times when your footwork's good and you, you feel like you can put your body anywhere you want, you can feel like you can take up 90% of the court. Yeah. But then, I mean, it happens to everyone. There's times where you're just like, I don't feel like I'm even blocking any of the court right now. I'm just like floating here. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I think having that in your repertoire where, where you know that you can move your entire frame in different places and same thing on defense. So I'm learning defense. I'm trying to learn a lot about it. I've just been mm -hmm. focusing on that all off season. And if you ask me the number one thing, I would say it's balance, like having your center line as you move, making small adjustments and having your center line stay balanced, you know, not getting off access. And that all comes down to your yeah. feet. I'm changing the, the width of my feet um, on defense. I do all these squats I do, I do them with my blocking footwork and then I do them with my defensive footwork now, which wow. is like yeah. work. But I want mm -hmm. the muscle memory of like, oh, I'm in defense, my, my feet just go right to the right spot. Um, so for me, that it's, it's footwork for everything, even setting. Like, good luck setting a ball that in transition if it's out here. You, yeah right yeah your feet aren't there so really it just starts that's just kind of everything yep exactly travis what do you think for where to start learning how to block um mm -hmm. i i think uh right. pressing um i'm clearly right at the starting blocks um <laughs> so I, I think i think because my older brother for example like he'll come out he loves watching uh me and delaney play and he'll, and he, he's like super curious. And so he'll watch and he'll ask questions and he'll say, well, like, what are you doing when you're blocking? Like, why did you put your hands here? And why did you do this? Like, isn't blocking just like doing this and like getting big, like you're like pretty much just like on a roller coaster going up. And I think that that's probably, I think the biggest mistake that say a single A or double A or like a lot of triple A players would make is that they just go straight up and they're just trying to take space and you're just basically just becoming a huge tool for the defense to use right. whereas instead of going trying to get high the further over you get over the net the more invasive you're going to be to the uh, opponent shot like even Phil Dahlhauser like if you watch him swing he'll hit the tape so you don't have to be a 6'10 blocker to block Phil Dahlhauser you just have to press because um, no one's like it's very rare that someone's hitting a ball at nine feet um, they're usually bringing it down hitting tape or hitting like low enough where even six four six five six six blockers like you look at Smedens, who's six foot four and Latvian, he gets so many blocks even though he's six four just because he presses so well mm -hmm. so I think I, I would try to teach the difference like what it feels like to press over the net instead of blocking straight up and down because I, I think that that's probably the easiest way to get blocks and, and to get your opponent in an offensive rut. Something that I, um, I always think about like inventing something like a tool, because the way I see it in my head, it's like hard to explain it to people. But I feel like the ball's like a light, right? Like a spotlight shooting on the court and the spotlight goes to the edges of the court, right? If I put my hands off, like at the, at the net, right? The block on the same plane of the net, it would create a smaller shadow than if I were to press over and put my hands towards that, that light, right? It would create a giant shadow on the court. And that's the same thing. You're cutting those angles off as you press towards that light into the spotlight. 
If you put your hand on it, you take the whole court, right? That's a great metaphor. I was literally going to say that's such that. a great way to put it. Wow. Vent it. It's visual. <laughs> For visual learners, that's perfect. Exactly. Wow. The, the volleyball spotlight. I'm going to invent it. I love it. We got to collab- collaborate with Wilson to invent one. Those are for the night practices. <laughs> I got to create my indoor facility I've been wanting to make. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay. Travis, I have one for you. From yeah. Scott Farina, he says, tell us about your volleyball journey. <laughs> I think we've covered it a few times. Uh, so I, I don't know if Scott's kind of new, newer to the show, but I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, and just kind of hit the bullet points. Um, grew up playing like every sport except for volleyball. Like you name it, I probably played it. Um, and then uh, I was writing for the Washington Post, got snowed in at my buddy's apartment and applied for every job south of North Carolina. Found one in Florida where I stumbled on a beach volleyball bar in Navarre, Florida called Juana's where uh, I started learning how to play, just playing like bar, like jungle ball fours and stuff. Um, This guy, Judd Smith, kind of like took me under his wing, taught me how to play a little bit. Uh, I moved out here uh, to Huntington uh, after like a year and a half, and I just became obsessed with it. I started playing like five, six, seven days a week, just like finding whatever groups I could play in. Um, Started writing about it, which then ended up creating all those relationships that – Travis talking about how important they are to kind of getting into good groups. Um, and, uh, the more I wrote about it, the more I wanted to get better at it. Um, and so I just like kind of got obsessed. So the last four years were just, it was just been practicing, lifting, watching, just been like volleyball all day, every day. Uh, and, and here we are now talking about volleyball. <laughs> yep. Travis had the ultimate fast track. So, <laughs> yeah. it was his job to to do what i said earlier right create those relationships with the highest level players you can uh and that was like he was just doing that not to play volleyball with them and then it was like well i might as well play while i'm here and then he's <laughs> yeah. like learning all this stuff and absorbing all this information and now he's actually really legit at it you know he's so. a little too humble at times <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been fun though but yeah I I would say that I mean the biggest piece of advice like try mentioned earlier is relationships I think that's been definitely what's expedited my my path the most is just like and I think a lot of it is that humility and that understanding that like when I practice with try and Trevor it's try and Trevor's practice and that I'm do I'm there to do like what they're working on they're the Olympians um if I'm practicing with Jake and Taylor it's Jake and Taylor's practice um and that when you do that, like you're more than likely going to be invited back because you know that like you're there to help them get better. And then once you reach that level, then you can start bringing in, you know, guys who aren't quite at your level where they get you get to do the same thing for them. We're putting them in practices where maybe they're outmatched a little bit. Um, so I think the relationships are are so key. Mm-hmm. Yep, good call. So I have uh, a. Right oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, I probably was breaking up, but. I was just saying, like, eventually you're also collaborating on practice. Like, there's nothing wrong with being on the same level. And, like, yeah, we'll bring two teams in, top-level teams, and we have two coaches there. And the coaches will be talking. And like, what do you guys want to work on? What do you guys want to work on? You guys do this first half. We'll do this with you second half. Um, but understanding what the goals are of everyone at that practice or training 
is important because if you if you're taking away from one of the team's goals or intentions of that day, you ain't gonna get a call back. Yeah, and I think one of the easiest ways not to get invited back is to put up like like ridiculous highlights of the other team looking stupid on Instagram, unless you're like good friends and like it's fine. But I've I've known a couple players who like they'll go on Instagram and immediately the rest of the group is like, well, they're not coming back. <laughs> so, That's gnarly. That's so Travis just post, uh, his all day. Exactly. Just post bad stuff. You're getting invited back. <laughs> That's good to know. That's good to know. I'll keep that in mind for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought this was an interesting one. I don't know if we've talked about it yet. It says, um, your thoughts on diet is vegan a new trend for beach players. So I don't know if we've talked about diet very much, but that's something that I am not super great at. So it's interesting for me to hear from you guys, if you guys are pretty good about your diet. So I would, I would love to hear about that too. If you guys have any insight. Savvy, you got to lay off the Diddy Reese first. Diddy Reese is so good. joint I could think of at UCLA. Oh, it's so good. Wow. <laughs> It's been closed for too long. I need to go back when it opens up. Jeez. Um, diet, diet's huge for me. I used, like in college, I used to think that Subway was like, boom, I ate healthy. And I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't think Subway is like that bad necessarily anymore. It's just like, it is what it is, right? If you get, there's cheese and bread on your sandwich, you're eating like this much meat and vegetables and eating cheese and mostly bread. Um, but as you get to the higher levels, pretty much everyone's um, at least paying attention to their diet. And, and a lot of people are doing it to a different extent. I think some people like myself have gone like extreme, not, yeah, I guess extreme with it to where I'm pre-planned. Like I eat these things and I eat these things before practice and after practice and blah, blah, blah. Um, because that just fascinates me and I wanted to learn um, as much as I could about um, what works for me. But I also, you know, really respect the people who are like, my goal with eating is not stress out. Like I enjoy eating, so I'm gonna eat dessert. I don't care if I'm playing in world championships this tomorrow. Um, and, and you'll see that on the world tour, you know, like Italians aren't gonna not eat cheese and pasta. No matter <laughs> what. Um, everyone just has to figure it out for themselves. I don't think, veganism is a trend on tour i know over the years a lot of people have gone have like experimented with it um, i personally think that you just have to be really aware of how much protein you're getting and it's just a little harder that way i i like to eat meat um i don't think it's a trend though and and i have seen i have seen at least one guy johnny mayer who who was vegan for a while and it, I just didn't think he packed the punch that um, that he did when he wasn't. And I also know a golfer uh, who's doing the same thing, but he's just not. There's a documentary. You remember that documentary, Travis, where it talks about game changers. Game changers. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Did yep. you and see? That, I mean, did after you see? That, the... I'm like, yeah, I'm vegan. But then, <laughs> did like, you see the documentary later, that oh, came out? Just like putting down everything Game Changers said. Yeah. Well, no, but I but I did talk to the USOC dietitian or whatever about it, 
and she wasn't really a fan. It just, you can really, with a documentary, you can convince people of anything, you know, you're not really showing yeah. both sides. Um, but I don't think there's anything against it. Just, you just got to experiment for yourself. Yeah. I think, I think that's the biggest thing. And honestly, like I've used your diet as a pretty good barometer for like what's healthy. Cause like you literally like, can't eat unhealthy for the most part. So I was like, all right, well, well if, Christmas has been rough. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of times I've been like, well, if try can eat it, you know, it's probably pretty good. But <laughs> I think what you said though, try is that like, you know, it's diet's so personal to you. So um, Kelly Clay's and Sarah Sponsel, they have a sponsorship with this uh, gym called Stark USA. And they did a blood test with them where they ran their blood through and, and like figured out like what foods they're sensitive to and what nutrients they're sensitive to. And like, basically what are the foods that are optimal for them and two completely different results. And so like Kelly can't eat eggs and almonds or something. And Sarah, like we went to, we, when we went to Yosemite, Sarah was just like piling on peanut butter and stuff, but Kelly can't eat peanut butter. And so they found like what works for them and like two completely different diets. And like me and Delaney are perfect examples of that. Cause like, I, like if I have like gluten, like a lot of wheat and like cheese and dairy and stuff, like I just like shut down. I got no energy. Mm -hmm. My stomach's like tied in nuts, but like Delaney just thrives off pasta, you know? So I just eat like oatmeal, like basically a paleo diet, like oatmeal, meat, nuts, and, and like fruits and veggies. And that works for me. But like what works for you might be like, pasta and cheese like you might be Nikolai and Lupo just thriving all that stuff so I think you just got to figure out what what works for you experiment with different things and but as far as vegan goes I, I haven't seen I don't think anyone maybe Kendra Van Zwieten she might be vegan but that's about it it's very interesting because I like I don't know if I know anyone who's vegan either but I I just watched that game changer documentary for the first time and you're like so convinced like i love going to like in and out and i love eating ice cream like i thank god i play volleyball like i <laughs> i eat i need to be better i try i went to grocery shopping i'm trying it's just i have the worst sweet tooth ever and i don't go to like mcdonald's and stuff but i do i do love in and out and stuff like that but you watch a documentary like that and you're like oh my gosh like how is how is anyone competing and functioning when they're not like this? But it's, it's, right. I mean, you have to look at both sides too. And like you said, Travis too, one diet might work for someone and not work for the other person. So you have to test it out and see what works best for you. And I mean, I would love to get my blood tested and see what foods work well with me because there's some nights where I'm like rolled up in a ball on my bed with my stomach in a knot. I'm like, okay, what did I eat? I thought yeah. it was dairy. I thought it was maybe gluten, but some nights I eat a whole cheese board and I feel fine. So I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's, it'd be cool to know. It'd be really cool to see, you know, everyone look into that because I think it would change the way a lot of people eat. Cause like, I have no idea really. I haven't paid attention yeah. to what makes me feel good. So actually, you know who, uh, last year around this time. So, uh, last year, John Schwangle, I was like, Johnny, you get like, you have any new year's resolutions? And he's like, yeah, bro, I'm going vegan. Watch the game changers documentary within like two months. This kid, he's like 110 pounds as it is. Like he lost weight and just shut down. Like his body was just breaking down and he's like, maybe I should bring meat back into the diet. I was like, I think that's a good idea, Johnny. <laughs> So you're looking at a bunch of big athletes in that movie too, right? These guys, like, they could probably eat anything and put on weight if they weren't playing their sport. Yeah. Well, so, like, 
maybe vegan because their body just can put on weight so fast that it kind of keeps them neutral and right, right where they need to be. I don't know, but it, it's worth experimenting for sure. And just learning what works for you. Yeah. Yep. Good point. Um, I have another question. It says, who do you hate losing to the most? I don't know if we've talked about that yet, but I think it's interesting. I got my guess for try. <laughs> <laughs> my friends. Oh no. Or are you going to say Jake? Oh yeah. Jake was my immediate answer. <laughs> oh, that's what came up into my head, but then I just said my friends. Cause I was like, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, first, ever since I got on tour, right, there's, like, these guys that you're chasing and you're trying to beat. And, like, these guys, the Phils, the Knicks, Jakes, they just don't go away, right? They've just been here this whole time. So I think that's the most annoying is losing to Phil and Jake. I would, for me, um, hands down, no question, Bill Kalinske. And I say that with, like, the utmost respect, and I mean that as a compliment but me and Bill, I've probably played him eight or nine times in various main draws. And I've lost in three, like six times in a row. And it's been just more and more tragic, just one after the next. Like in the country quota for Mexico, me and, uh, me and Mike Bogue were up. We won the first set. And we were up in the third, maybe like eight, six. And Bill blocked me. He might have blocked me like six straight times to get to 12, eight. <laughs> It was so bad. And then uh, in Manhattan Beach, this one, like I still can't sleep at night over this one. Me and Rafi uh, were playing Bill Kalinske and Eric Beranek in the second round. And we won the first set 21-10, like cruising. And then we went, we're up 16-13 in the second. And they hadn't really served me much all day because I was playing on the left and it's a little weirder over there. And then Bill comes back and sure enough, just puts the clamps down. Roost me, they win the second, win the third, go on to take a third in Manhattan after me and Rafi were up 21-10, oh. five points away from, from just sealing the deal in the second. So I got to go with Kalinske just because he just like, he just figures out a way to beat me. And me and Bill are pretty good friends, love the guy, but I just, it just breaks my heart to keep losing to him like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Totally. I'm trying to think of who I would hate losing to most. I was wondering if the LSU girls might be up there for you. Um, just because you play them so much, it's like a good a good rivalry. Yeah, I I, I definitely hate losing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hate losing in general. But I'm, I'm thinking of the LSU girls, and it's – they have approached me. Like Claire Capola approached me right before we played them at LSU. And that environment was just like absolutely electric. It was like cool. the most insane thing ever. And she came up to me. I don't know. I just went through my head, but I was like, is she trying to distract me right now? She came <laughs> up to me and was like, I like shagged a ball for her. And she came up to me in warmups and was like, I just need to tell you that like my team and I, we think like you're so sweet and like, you're, you know, we like respect you and, you know, think it's so fun to play against you. And like, I mean, I'm in, before I'm playing a game, I'm like, is she, what, why'd she say that to me? And then I start thinking, but I, I genuinely think that they are such nice people. They're such nice girls. And so it's like, I don't hate losing to them because it's so much respect and it's always a close game that it's like, it could go either way. And so I love playing those games. Obviously I hate losing, but playing against people like that are, it's so awesome. Just the mutual level of respect. And then it's crazy too. I mean, 
I I try and play most of my games where I have a big respect for the people I play. So even playing against USC, I played against Haley Holgren and Haley Harward a bunch last year, and it I don't I don't think I lost to them. I think me and Abby beat them, but I just think that you know, especially in college as a senior too, it's like there's no bad blood type of thing, and so losing sucks obviously, but. Um, it's fun. I, I don't have a person in particular, but I really hate losing to people who like scream super loud and cheer super loud. Cause that's what gets me pissed and super fired up. And when I lose to someone like that, that bothers me. I can't think of anyone in particular, but did you ever play Nicolette Martin? I didn't, I didn't at all. And okay. I, I, mean, I used to watch those games and be like, Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. This is crazy. <laughs> but then I've talked to her before and she's like the nicest, like she's so nice. And I was friends with her now husband, Jake. And so it's just, you also can't judge a book by its cover. You can't look at people who cheer like that and think poorly of them because she's such a cool girl. And so it's people express themselves different ways on the court. And, you know, when you're emotional and you're in the heat of the game, you might say things you don't mean, you might act a certain way. And so I always try to get people the benefit of the doubt, but I can't, I can't even name a person. Maybe it'll come to me later, but. Right now, I can't think of someone that I, like, can't stand losing to because I just – I love playing. I love competing, It's you know, against different schools. There's schools – like, I hate losing to USC for sure the most. Right. But, you know, those girls – I actually – I don't – I really don't like losing to Joy Dennis. I don't like losing to her. We've, we've played against <laughs> each other so many times, and she's one of my great friends. I don't know why. I think it's just because we play against each other so many times yeah. in like really big tournaments. And there's been times where it's gone back and forth, like for years now, not even at USC, like before that. And so that might be someone I don't like losing to, but it's only because we played each other so many, probably more than anyone. Yeah. Um, and losing to people at practice isn't fun. Like when you scrimmage your teammates, that's not fun either. I don't like that. Like what you said, uh, try about losing to your friends. That's not fun. Yeah, you don't want to lose to your friends. Losing to people who are ranked like an upset, you know, because you don't want them to believe after the match that they can hang with you. Yeah. You want them to know that they're not on your level, you know, you try to keep it that way. But if you yeah. play, you know that now they believe that they can, and I'm really pissed about it. You know, yeah. you feel yeah. like you just leveled them up by letting them beat you. Yeah. It made your life harder moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. So, Kind of opposite of that, I have a question from Tim Schmidt, 15. He said, top five most fun players you as a pro like to watch play volleyball. So I can actually – top five players that you like – I want to add to it, that you like watching and you like playing with. It doesn't have to be five, but some people that you like to watch and you like to play with, whether it's fun or serious, because I think that's interesting. Okay. Um, the top five I like to watch, uh, I, I mean – try uh, you can they're pretty much all six five blockers <laughs> coincidentally try uh smedens Piotr cantor uh the polish guy uh tim bomgren and i love watching uh the russians i love watching krasilnikov play even though he's um he's a defender i don't know i just think the guy is freaking good those are my five favorite to watch um favorite to play with my guy chris vaughn uh we were uh good friends with uh with eric zahn so we we just have this like mutual friendship through that way we did a snow trip together and i played with him in atlantic city 
had an absolute blast. We played a force uh, tournament together in Florida and made the finals. And I love playing with that guy, him and Kyle friend, just morale super high with those two. I'm in trouble. <laughs> who do I like? Um, I like people who are um, using their heads a lot, like who are really relaxed and patient and like seeing things really well. That's kind of like, what I've been trying to work into my game. So like Taylor is really good with that. He's just super relaxed, but ready to move at all times, very smooth. Um, Adrian, where you know that there's like a little internal game going on in his head and the way he competes. Um, I liked watching Todd Rogers in that way because he's so calculated. Hayden, I like watching Hayden now because I didn't really like fully get to see him when he was defending behind me and now I'm seeing him play with different blocks and he's he's adjusting those um guys I know I just named all defenders uh actually <laughs> I really um I don't know if I enjoy it but I like watching Jake because he has really good hands the way yeah. he places hands and you know mm -hmm. another one is Ricardo probably six but Ricardo is huge and and he uses his size but over the years, his vertical has gone down to like, I don't know, maybe like two credit cards. Hands <laughs> <laughs> in the right spots. So I'm like, if he can do it at that age, like imagine if someone who's more physical is doing it, like they're going to mm -hmm. dominate. Yeah. Well, I guess that's mine. Maybe, uh, maybe one more, Sav? Any? Oh, sorry. Yeah, let's do one more. Um, did I cut out? Sorry. A little um, bit. Sorry. No, you're fine. The Wi-Fi. I'm trying to figure out my Wi-Fi here. Hopefully, I think I'm using the person below me. I don't <laughs> think ours is working. <laughs> so I hope I've been okay. Moving see, I don't know. We'll see. I know. Um, I don't know who golfs, but someone asked, "How many times a week do you guys golf now? Do either of you golf?" <laughs> been watching my Instagram, huh? <laughs> I feel like the only time I'm. I'm like at the beach, either filming my kid or I'm like on the golf course these last yeah. few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we've all been getting into it a lot. Me, Taylor, and Trevor. Trevor's been going crazy with golfing. Like that guy needs to compete and like bet on things. So he's like sitting in front of the TV with Taylor on Sundays betting on that. And if not, he's out golfing. Mm -hmm. And in Hawaii, the weather's perfect out here. And we're kind of on vacation mode anyway. And it's like the best sport to um, – get that that focus going again you know yeah um but without like burning out or or doing anything too physical mm -hmm. but i just started golfing full courses so i'm really kind of just learning shot a 96 the other day travis hey there we go finally broke my 100 mark that's not bad not bad i'm coming yeah uh, but i probably went like uh once a week while i was out mm -hmm. here but i don't golf that often usually I I used to so I grew up playing like that was my best sport growing up so I used to play uh probably like my routine so I would work at a golf course so I would either work the six to two shift and play from two to sunset or I would work like the nine to five shift and work five and golf before and after or work the afternoon shift and golf in the morning so I probably played every day growing up from like my from eighth grade through my senior year of college and then now i play just enough to make sure i can beat my brothers which is like 
I probably play maybe two or three times a year now. And so I, uh, I got back to, to Myrtle Beach this year for Thanksgiving. Still kicked my brother's asses. So I'm, I'm content to take another year off. <laughs> perfect. It's epic. I yeah. actually just went to um, the driving range by my house and I've never golfed. I just, I've gone like mini golfing for team events and stuff. And I was always the worst one. I'm really bad at any sport with like a racket or a bat. Like I'm not good. Like, I don't know if it's the hand-eye coordination, but tennis and softball, like maybe cause I never did them. I always, I always played soccer and volleyball and I think maybe cause I didn't do it, but I always have such a hard time. And I went, I would play mini golf and be so bad. Um, and my boyfriend now, his brother golfs. And so we went to the driving range and it's, it's so hard. It is yeah. when you're first learning and all I want to do is have the driver just whack, like just hit it as far as I can. And that's not really how it works. You got to start slow, but once you get a hold of it, it's great. My, yeah. I like take my eye off the ball when I swing. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm so bad, but it's fun. I like always thought of golf as such a boring sport and something I would never want to play. But the more I've done it, like, I've done it a couple times now, just in quarantine. I like snuck onto the golf course at night. It was swinging at balls. It's actually really fun. So yeah, I, I understand why people want to play now. I think if you're, you if it, you're the more fun it gets. Yeah. yeah. Like, the more you like goof around and just out there, like this is kind of dumb. Like I'm just mm -hmm. hitting a ball around, but if you really get into it, it starts getting kind of addicting. Like yeah. just shed off two or three strokes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like, any competitive person it's easy to get you're obsessed with golf, because it's so hard golf. sorry try you were cutting out i didn't know if you were done <laughs> no you're good but uh i think it's so easy to get obsessed with because like you just see that little bit of progress like you said mm -hmm. sav you hit that one good drive and you're like all right i want that feeling again and then before yeah. you know it you've been at the driving range for like two hours <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's awesome yeah well uh sav appreciate you as always for, uh, you guys on for some fan questions congrats on the move i'm stoked for you guys thank that you're you. finally uh close to training again at ucla i'm excited to watch you guys again yeah thank you i'll let you guys know how it goes we'll see hopefully we start practice next week Pray. yeah hopefully we'll see yeah hoping okay. for you try you. merry christmas happy new year's to both of you guys do we have uh, new any, any new year's resolutions from the sandcast crew keep learning yeah mine's just being patient because I'm very impatient and this whole COVID thing is there's some days where I'm cool. I'm not thinking about anything. And then there's days where I wake up and I just, I don't know what's going on. So hopefully transitioning and, you know, out of college to play more, just being patient and just keep on going. That's my biggest thing for sure. I love it. All right, guys. Um, well, happy new year, Merry Christmas, and uh, try. We'll be seeing you soon, dude. We'll be getting you in person again. Sweatshirt, <laughs> <laughs> All right, shoot, guys. Bye, guys.